0: For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Josh. I'm the director of community here at the church. And we are halfway through our series, That's Just Better. We've been taking a look at some different things in scripture that we can see are just better than the alternative. And the first week, Pastor Steve shared with us about how one day in the presence of the Lord is better than a lifetime far from God. Last Sunday, Matt Coyne gave us an important reminder of how it's better to have less of the things that don't matter and more of what truly does matter. I love how he wound down his message. He said this, he said, your life is too valuable, your calling is too great, and your God is too good to waste your life on meaningless things. And I thought that was just so, so good and helpful and profound. Uh, Today, I want to talk with you about how godly wisdom is better than the wisdom of this world. Have any of you ever made a bad decision? Raise your hands. I know I have somebody's got two hands, right? That's, that's most of us. Uh, I know, I mean, I know I've made, let's see, at least like two or three tops, maybe. Uh, and maybe, maybe you went to the grocery store and you bought creamy peanut butter instead of crunchy. I don't know what you people are thinking out there. My wife and I are exclusive crunchy peanut butter family. Uh, I grew up in a family that was divided. It was a civil war, creamy versus crunchy. Uh, maybe... You went to the pet store, and you came home with a cat instead of a dog. I don't know what you're thinking. (laughs) Pastor Steve would like to make an appointment with you. Uh, Maybe you went to the grocery store last week while you were hungry. Talk about a bad decision. You wonder why you can't stay on budget, right? Uh, I've been there. Before our family moved here, we lived on the West Coast in Seattle for a year. And while we were out there, I watched someone make a bad decision. His name was Pete Carroll, and he was the coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, They had an amazing season in 2014. Their running back had just been unstoppable, and they were playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. It was a very, very close game. I was watching the game at a friend's house with lots of really hardcore Seahawks fans, and you could just feel the tension mounting in the room as the clock wound down. The Seahawks were down by four points. They marched down the field, It was second and goal from the one-yard line with 26 seconds left. Here's what happened. Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Malcolm Butler, who almost made the phenomenal play. That wound up in Percy's arms. There are flags on the field for celebration. Amazing. Butler, a rookie free agent out of West Alabama. They try to pick play, Al. They tried to go here, but he beats them to the punch. And I'm sorry, but I can't believe the call. Me neither. I cannot believe the call. You've got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. You've got a guy that's been borderline unstoppable in this part of the field. I can't believe the call. So this commentator and all of Seattle, all of my friends cannot believe that this decision that they made, they chose to throw the ball from second and goal on the one when they have the best running back in the league. What were they thinking? Everyone in the room was just totally in shock. Talk about a bad decision. And Seattle did talk about it. For months, they talked about that bad decision. Uh, Maybe you yourself haven't lost your team, the Super Bowl, because of a bad decision, but we've all made unwise choices and we have reaped the consequences. Uh, It's almost hard to watch some of those guys, just the disheartening look on their faces after that. Um, Maybe you bought a car without having a mechanic inspect it first. Maybe you spent too much time at work instead of raising your kids, or you tried to fix your wife's problem without really listening to her heart. You may have done something you regret because of peer pressure, or you bought a house that you couldn't afford, or you let your politics damage a close friendship during this election season. And it can be hard to suffer the consequences of our foolish decisions. But the fact remains, we we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. We make our decisions and our decisions make us. If we make foolish decisions, we'll pay for them, just like the Seahawks. If we make wise decisions, we will reap the reward of those decisions. Godly wisdom will improve the quality of our lives more than the wisdom of this world. Now, being wise, just to clarify, does not earn our salvation in Christ. But believing in Jesus is most certainly a very wise decision. Living wisely according to the way God intends us to live as people made in the image of God will improve the quality of our lives because we're living our lives the way our creator meant us to live. Just like this microphone here is going to work best if we use it according to the intent of its manufacturer so we will be at our best if we live according to the intent of our creator. Uh, Now, the third king in the kingdom of Israel was a very wise man named Solomon. And he was one of the most wise men in ancient history. King Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs and 1,005 songs to communicate this wisdom. And people from every nation traveled to Jerusalem to hear the wisdom of Solomon. In 1 Kings 3, we can read a story about how God appeared to King Solomon in a dream. And he told Solomon that he would give him whatever he asked for. Instead of asking for a long life, unfathomable riches, uh, or victory over his enemies, Solomon asked for wisdom. Wisdom. What would you ask for if God offered to give you whatever you desired? Would you ask for wisdom? If God wrote you a blank check what would you ask for? And I hope to demonstrate to you today that wisdom is just better than any other earthly thing we could ask for. Uh, Godly wisdom improved the life of King Solomon so much that the kingdom of Israel was its most prosperous and influential during his reign. Solomon built a temple for God, expanded the territory of his kingdom, increased trade with other countries from across the ancient Near East, and people traveled for thousands of miles just to hear his wisdom. Our memory verse for today, we've been, during this series every week, if you haven't been here every week, we've been um, taking a verse and memorizing it every week. So we're going to do that together. And our memory verse for today was written by the wise King Solomon. And it's found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, verse 12. If you're looking for Proverbs in your paper Bible or in your Bible app on your phone, it's halfway through the Old Testament, right between Psalms and Ecclesiastes. And this entire book is devoted to communicating wisdom to its readers. So, if you want to go, ro- if you want to grow wise, read through the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. Um, a lot of people like to read one a day and get through the whole book in a month that way. So, let's read Proverbs 9:12 together. Let's read it out loud. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. Great. One more time. If you become wise you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. We're gonna read one last time without it up on the screens from memory. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. So this verse shows us that godly wisdom will improve the quality of our lives, but we will suffer without it. Everything works better when we live according to the intention of our creator. Let's take a look this morning at just how valuable wisdom is to us. We're gonna take a look at a lot of scriptures this morning, so get ready. Let's take a look at six ways that godly wisdom is just better than the wisdom of this world. First, wisdom is better than foolishness. And now I know what you're thinking out there, right? Thank you, Captain Obvious, we know that. Uh, Anyone who knows the definition of those two words knows that wisdom is better than foolishness. And and you're right. The statement is pretty self-explanatory, but the reality is a little bit more complex than that oversimplification. Most foolish people think they are wise, right? You've met someone like that before, I'd I'd be willing to bet. Uh, And many wise people realize there's parts of their lives where they are foolish and they need to grow. Uh, Part of humility is just connected with uh, wisdom. That's part of wisdom is having a humble spirit. Uh, What I want you to realize here is that foolishness comes naturally, but godly wisdom takes intentionality. Godly wisdom takes intentionality. One must seek God for wisdom and learn from other wise people, but it's worth the effort. Wisdom is far better than foolishness. Seek wisdom. Okay, number two. Wisdom is better than sin. Uh, The word sin can mean to miss the mark. And just like missing the bullseye in archery, sin is behavior that doesn't hit the mark of God's intention for human behavior. If there is a God, who created this universe, then it makes sense that his creation would work best when aligned with his purposes. Uh, Jesus referenced one of the Proverbs of Solomon when he told a parable about how important it is to obey his words. And we read that here in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, just like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Keep in mind here that Jesus was a carpenter. Okay, he literally knew how to build a house. Jesus is taking something that is very familiar and he's using it to teach us about a spiritual reality. When you foolishly ignore the teaching of Jesus, your life will collapse with a mighty crash. Uh, It's very self-destructive, you might say, in several ways when we sin against God and ignore his offer of salvation. On the other hand, it's very beneficial to oneself to follow The teachings of Jesus. Wisdom knows that a right relationship with God is the greatest possible benefit to oneself. If Jesus really rose from the dead, and he did, then it is extremely wise for me to give him my full attention and my allegiance. There is no one more powerful than someone who can predict their own death and resurrection and then come back from the dead as they predicted, it would be foolish to position myself against such a powerful person, let alone to ignore the fact that he lovingly gave up his life to pay the price for my sin. If you haven't yet, put your hope in Jesus. He has removed your guilt by paying the penalty for the sin of the world, and he offers you new life both now and forever. Even after we are saved, you know, uh, we can still make foolish choices. Uh, we've all done it. This process of becoming increasingly more Christ-like and making uh, godly choices is often called sanctification. It's a process of, of letting go of our own desires so that we can become more and more like Christ. Wisdom places a greater value on obedience to God than on personal desires. Wisdom says that when I want to gossip about someone, I hold my tongue because Jesus cares deeply for that person. Wisdom says that when I want to mistreat someone who's mistreated me, I show them kindness because Christ has shown me kindness while I was yet his enemy. Obeying my all-powerful and all-loving God is more important than obeying my own desires. Number three, Wisdom is better than being filthy rich. Uh, Have any of you ever seen someone who was just ridiculously wealthy but had no wisdom for how to handle their finances? Uh, I know I have. And Mike Tyson was actually one of those people. The famous boxer made $400 million over 20 years of his career. At one time, he could make $30 million in one fight. When he filed for bankruptcy in 2003, he had $23 million in debts because of his out-of-control spending. He spent $410,000 on a birthday party. And at one time, he was spending $400,000 a month to maintain his lifestyle. How crazy is that? He had all of this money, but no wisdom with which to handle it. If we don't have wisdom, it just doesn't matter how wealthy you are. Check out what our friend Solomon says in Proverbs 3, Verses 13 through 15. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom is better than being filthy rich. Wisdom can never be taken from you like riches can. Uh, You know, the economy could crash tomorrow and you would not have your riches. Uh, You could have extreme health problems or a thief could hack your bank account. We just cannot count on these things and wisdom can never be taken from you. Solomon goes on to say this in the next few verses about wisdom. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. Proverbs often personifies wisdom as a woman, just to clarify what we're reading there. We see here that wisdom will benefit you more as a person than wealth. More possessions will not make us any happier in the long term, or will it benefit us in the next life? More position, more possessions will not give you a healthy marriage. More possessions will not make us more loving towards others. Uh, in 1 Kings 10, we read about how the queen of Sheba traveled over a 1,000 miles, probably by camel, just to hear and experience the wisdom of Solomon. She was wealthy and powerful, but she considered it worth her time and money to travel that long distance to give Solomon lavish gifts and to learn from his wisdom. So we should all be a little bit more like the queen of Sheba, pursuing wisdom. And it'll, it'll cost you something, but it's worth it to pursue godly wisdom. Number four, wisdom is better than always being right. Uh, this is the one that I need to learn, that you know, there's a part of me that deep, deep down just really likes to be right. You know, I'm sure there's a few of you out there like that. Um, and this is something that God keeps working on in my heart. And it it's, it's comes down to pride, really, right? So part of my heart wants to be better than someone else. Else, That's why I wanna be right. When I really let God shine his light into my heart and I see those places that don't line up with his will, that's what sometimes I run into. And this goes against the gospel, which says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if I'm not careful, this desire can lead to self-righteousness instead of finding my righteousness in Christ. Another consequence of that is what Solomon talks about in Proverbs. Uh, I might get defensive whenever I receive any criticism and ignore the possibility that I could have a part of my life that is weak or sinful or broken. My foolish pride prevents me from growing because I insist that I am basically perfect. Solomon says this in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20. To me and to you, listen to advice and accept discipline. And in the end, you will be counted among the wise. And there's actually many, many, many more Proverbs that say the same idea. Wise people accept advice, correction, and discipline. Another proverb says, correct the wise and they will love you. How do you respond when people correct you? you? Do you listen and accept it? Or do you perceive it immediately as an attack and attack them back? A wise person knows that they can learn from constructive criticism and has the humility to accept correction and learn from it what they can. Fools get defensive, but wise people receive constructive criticism and become wiser. Now, when my wife and I were dating, we had a conversation once where um, I got defensive. Uh, She brought up something where she was saying, hey, I felt hurt when you did this. And so I thought about what I had done and what I had said, and I pompously proceeded to tell her that, well, that's not what I meant. That's not how I really feel. And so basically I was saying, your feelings are incorrect. I was <laughs> saying, you shouldn't be upset at me because that's not what I meant. Um, and, you know, how many of you know that it's just a terrible idea to tell someone, hey, your feelings are incorrect. They're not valid. It, it does not go well, trust me. Um, and, but I was, prideful there. I was not looking at how I could grow, how I, could, um, how I might be wrong, but I was just defending myself instantly. Um, in my pride, I foolishly defended myself instead of seeking to humbly understand what I had done or how I could improve. Uh, but looking back, I see that wisdom is better than being right. And I hope Many of you will join me in learning to accept advice and constructive criticism. Uh, Number five, wisdom is better than being partisan. And let's be honest, the smart thing to do to come out on top is rarely the godly thing to do. James, uh, an early church leader in Jerusalem and the half-brother of Jesus, wrote a letter to Jewish Christians outside of Jerusalem. I've heard the book of James called the Proverbs of the New Testament because of the way this book is written. Let's take a look at what he has to say about godly wisdom in James 3, 13 through 18. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth By boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So James here talks about earthly wisdom versus the wisdom from above here in this passage. The wisdom of this world is characterized by jealousy, selfish ambition, boasting, and lying, and the Greek word that we actually translate as selfish ambition in our Bibles actually means partisanship or running for office. Aristotle used this word to mean a self-seeking pursuit of political office by unfair means. That is the wisdom of this world. It says we should do whatever it takes to gain more power, to divide people, to manipulate, to lie, cheat, and boast. But the wisdom of God is different. Instead of being divisive, it is peace-loving, gentle, and willing to yield. Instead of being envious and jealous, it is humble. Instead of lying, it is sincere. And instead of showing favoritism, it has love for all people. And it's easy to try to apply this to national politics because that's where everyone's head has been at lately. But let's make this a little more personal. What about you? Do you boast? And lie in order to make yourself look better? Do you manipulate others in order to be more popular? Do you talk about your others in such a way as to divide your neighborhood, your school or your church? And if you do, that's what the wisdom of this world is. But there's grace for that. God wants to forgive you and to give you the wisdom from above. And if you somehow managed on the other hand to be gentle, When someone personally attacked you during this crazy election season, that is godly wisdom. If you were willing to yield when conversations became heated, that is godly wisdom. If you showed no favoritism, but equally loved those with opposing political views, that is godly wisdom. That's showing people Jesus, and I'm proud of you for that. We could all use a little more of that. Amen? Number six, Wise people make choices in light of eternity. We all know that it is wise to make decisions that are better in the long-term instead of just focusing on the short-term benefit, right? And yet, we we do this all the time. We wanna get in shape because it's better for our long-term health, and we go out and we eat three Big Macs because it's convenient and it's delicious. Uh, We want our marriage to grow, but we skip date night because, well, something came up, even though we know we should be building our marriage. We move on with our day instead of sharing Jesus with an acquaintance who's in need and needs someone to talk to. These are easy choices that make us feel better in the moment, but we miss out on the long term benefits. C.T. Studd, a British missionary to China and Africa, gave up his promising career. his father's inheritance he gave away, and even died on the missions field in Africa. He gave up so many earthly blessings for the sake of changing people's eternal destiny because he was wise enough to make choices in light of eternity. Check out this line from a poem that he wrote. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. This life is short. It will soon be over and you won't take a penny from your bank account with you. Your house, your car, your flat screen TV, your iPad, even your most precious possession will not come with you into eternity. Only what's done for Christ will last. What you do for Christ in this life will echo in eternity. Sharing the gospel with your crazy neighbor might just change their eternal destiny. Uh, Maybe a couple of you might even choose to live overseas and show people Jesus with those who need to hear it, share the good news and the gospel, because you recognize that that life is short, but salvation is eternal. Wise believers don't miss out on opportunities to show people Jesus. Uh, The apostle Paul says this in his letter to the church in Colossae. This is Colossians 4, verses five and six. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone don't miss out. Showing people Jesus is more important than making it home for dinner. Showing people Jesus is more important than watching the football game. Showing people Jesus is more important than your convenience because eternal things are in the balance. That kind of long-term vision, looking to the future, looking to eternity, that is wisdom. Uh, So be wise. Don't miss out on those opportunities to show people Jesus. Be looking for those opportunities this week Uh, as you go about your day. Look for those chances to share your faith, to show people Jesus. Godly wisdom is way better than the wisdom of this world. Uh, Maybe you've been listening to me today and you feel like, okay, I need more wisdom, I need to grow, but you don't know how to get it. Uh, Talking about the value of wisdom without explaining a little bit of how we can grow in that is not very helpful, is it? So let's take a look at three ways to get wisdom. Number one, fear God. Solomon says that the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. That's Proverbs 9.10. And we see this concept over and over and over in Proverbs that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Now, what does that mean? It it means that a healthy reverence for a holy God is what leads to being a wise person. We must first believe that God exists and that he's all-powerful. We must begin by understanding that God is a holy God who takes sin very seriously. You know, God in his justice did not just let sin go unpunished. God punished sin, and Jesus paid the price for us. Uh, God is both loving and he is just and holy, and we need to recognize that. Wisdom begins with a healthy reverence for God. Number two, ask God. If we listen to the writing of James, he tells us straight up what to do if we lack wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So there it is, folks. If you're foolish, ask God for wisdom, and He will give it to you. He won't say you're too stupid or you're too sinful. God will give you wisdom if you ask for it. Don't waste the opportunity to grow in wisdom by neglecting God's offer to make you wise. Number three. Hang out with wise people. We did a series uh, a while back where Pastor Steve kept referencing this one verse over and over and over. Um, and some of you probably remember it. We're gonna read it this morning. Proverbs 13:20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. So walk with the wise and become wise. I want you to think about who you know in your life who you'd consider a wise person you should be spending time with that person. If you're young, this is especially important. You know, if you're, if you're in high school or college age especially, get to know a mature Christian from our church family and learn all that you can from them. There are people in this church who have been believers for decades and they have a lot to give to those who need to grow in wisdom. They would gladly pass it on. And so don't settle for foolishness, but take advantage of the wisdom of some more mature believers in this church. Uh, This morning, we've seen that wisdom is better than foolishness, sin, being filthy rich, uh, being right, and being partisan. We've talked about how wise people make choices in light of eternity. To grow in wisdom, we need to fear God, to ask God, and to hang out with wise people. Getting wisdom is so critical because we make our decisions in life And then our decisions make us. We reap those consequences. Uh, If you're here today and you realize, okay, I don't think I've been living very wisely. I've been making foolish decisions. Then come to Jesus. If you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus, that is the wisest thing that you could possibly do with your life. It's the wisest thing that I ever did with my life. Uh, If you're a believer, but you've been damaging relationships and missing out on opportunities to show people Jesus, ask God for wisdom. If you have foolishly put money before God and family, talk to a wise friend about how you could reorient your life around those critical things. If you have foolishly damaged relationships during this election season, then ask for forgiveness and mend that relationship. If you have been foolishly defensive with a friend or a spouse who's offered you constructive criticism. Take a deep look at your heart and consider whether you could learn something from them. I think all of us could use a little more wisdom in our hearts, amen? All right, let's pray this morning as we finish. Father, we come to you today. Lord, we are so grateful for your son. We are so grateful for the sacrifice that you made To make us right with God. Lord, we come to you today and we ask for wisdom, Lord. Just like your word says, Lord, we confess that we have been foolish in many ways and we need you to make us more wise, to help us make godly decisions. Lord, bring people into our lives who can um, encourage us and help us to understand how to make wise decisions, Lord. We are so grateful that you are with us every step of the way and you have not abandoned us to make these decisions on our own, Lord, but you will guide us. You are faithful to us and you are with us every step of the way. Lord, you are so good. And we just pray that you would help us to continue to grow in wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.